Good evening. I appreciate uh, the words that Brother Brad just spoke, and I agree with those wholeheartedly. We need the power of God every time we come into the house of God. We need the power of God to be amongst us. We need the power of God in, in the pulpit. We need the power of God in the congregation. Every single person, I believe, has a job and a role in every service for the Lord. And uh, we each need to make sure that we are uh, to the best of our ability where God wants us to be in, our, in the service, obeying him no matter what that might be. And that is often easier to, to say than it is to do. We have another reading tonight in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 12, I want to take a reading there for the first four verses. Genesis chapter 12. And uh, the word of God says this, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, or excuse me, then the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all, the fam shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And my thought tonight is covenantal promises, and we're going to look at the life of Abraham. Covenantal promises looking at Abraham. Now, you look at Abraham's life, and Abraham and Sarah were a couple that uh, were childless. They were having trouble conceiving, and we know from the, the scriptures, and of course for also from experience, and knowing uh, people that are having that difficulty, that that is a great, uh, a great travesty. It's a great stressor to, uh, to couples to be in that position. Um, the Bible gives us a lot of different instruction in regards to that. Uh, for instance, we see that, um, that Jacob and Rachel were having some marital conflict in the 30th chapter of Genesis over the fact that Rachel was having trouble conceiving. You remember that she said to Jacob, she said, give me children ere I die. And uh, the Bible says that his anger was kindled against her. And he said, basically, am I God? I can't help it that, that you're not able to conceive. We also know that uh, in the first chapter of 1 Samuel that uh, Elkanah and, and uh, his wife Hannah there was also were having difficulty conceiving. And uh, the Bible tells us that it was very grievous for her. Um, to the point that she went and uh, began to uh, seek the face of God in a mighty way and she was praying there and uh, her lips were moving and yet there were no words coming out and the priest thought for a moment there that she might be intoxicated with alcohol, that she was drunk. 
We know that over in the, the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, I believe it is, it talks about there uh, the four situations uh, on earth that are never satisfied. And it talks about how that fire is never satisfied and how that dry ground is never satisfied and how that the grave is never satisfied. And it also mentions a barren womb as being one of the four things that is never satisfied. And so this was the situation that uh, that Abra, Abra, Abraham and Sarah were in. And uh, it, it seems to me from the tenor of Scripture that it was something that consumed their thoughts. It was something that was on their mind a lot, that was a concern to them. And uh, uh, Abraham was a, was a, a man that, that loved God. He was a man that uh, believed God. He was a man that trusted God. And so God made a multiple covenants with him, we find here in the book of Genesis, and uh, those, some of those covenantal promises affect us even today. Um, I want to begin by looking at the first one uh, here, the first idea that the Bible seems to expound upon when it talks about Abraham's faith, uh, this, uh, this declaration that God makes to him. And he says, I want you to get out of your homeland. I want you to leave your, your country, get away from your family, and I want you to go uh, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And uh, we, we find in the book of Hebrews that there are two main uh, acts of faith that uh, Abraham is commended for, and that is the first one that I just mentioned. I want to read what the Hebrew writer has to say about it in Hebrews chapter 11. He says this in verse, verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God." Listen tonight, if you're lost, I believe that there is uh, something here for you. I believe that God is calling you, just like he called Abraham, to leave his homeland, to leave his country, to leave what was comfortable to him. God is calling you to do the very same thing. God is inviting you to leave what is security for you. He is calling you to leave the things that are normal for you, the lifestyle that is normal for you, the mentality, the dreams, the ideas, the thoughts that you have for your life. God is calling you to be willing to lay that down. He's calling you to do that tonight. And uh, just as Abraham had to do that, he had to trust God. God said, listen, I'm going to take you to a land that you've never been to before, that you can't even comprehend, and you won't even know when you get there unless I tell you. And Abraham spent his life uh, sojourning throughout the world, traveling, walking, but he was looking for a place where God was going to be. He wanted to be where God was. And nothing else mattered to him. And you know, tonight you're going to have to get to a place like every single person who has ever been saved where they were willing to come to God with an unconditional surrender. Stepping out of the comfort zone and trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. 
It's scary to leave your comfort zone. Most of us, if we were honest with ourselves, there's an element of control that we really uh, like. There's an element of familiarity in our environment and in the way that we think that we like to control because there's a sense of security there. And when you trust God, you have to step out of that ring of security. Where you end, that's where God begins. <laughs> we're, we're, we're following the Lord and we're going to a place that we haven't seen, but it's going to be a good place. It's going to be a better place than what we could come up with ourselves. But we've got to trust God. We've got to trust God. Abraham did that. He left his country. He trusted God. It, there's, it's debatable as you try to figure out how far that he actually traveled. Uh, there's different figures somewhere in the neighborhood of anywhere from 1,100 to 2,200 plus miles that he walked and sojourned in the land, uh, and God blessed him all along the way. Blessed him all along the way. But again, tonight, I want to encourage you that if you're going to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're going to have to surrender all to him. You're going to have to let go of control. Now, we see a promise that is made here, and I, I like this. <laughs> it says in verse 3, And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God says, Abraham, I know you don't have any children. And remember, he's 75 years old here, and he doesn't have Isaac for another 25 years. So he got the promise, and he was sojourning for 25 years before God fulfilled his promise to him. That's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time to wait. It's a long time to walk. It's a long time to travel around. But, uh, but he trusted God. God said, you don't have any kids right now, but I'm going to bless you with some children. Matter of fact, I'm going to bless you with a lot of children. And I'm going to bless you with an inheritance, with a posterity, with, with, a, uh, with a group of people that come, out of your line, that come out of your lineage that are going to bless every, somehow, I'm going to, you, through you, bless every single family on the face of the earth. Let's look and see. The New Testament gives us some clues to that, to that covenant, to that uh, uh, formal agreement there. In Acts chapter 3, we have the account where you remember that Peter and John are at the gate called Beautiful, and there's a lame man that's laying there, and, and they heal him. They heal him through the power of God. God gives them the power, allows them to have the ability to physically heal him. And then Peter uses that opportunity uh, to accredit the gospel. He uses that opportunity of God's miraculous power to then preach the gospel and tell them what really happened there. And in the midst of his sermon, and he, he starts out in verse 13 of the third chapter of Acts, saying, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. Whom ye delivered up and de denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. 
And he goes on to speak there about Jesus and he, he calls them to repentance in verse 19 that they might be converted, that their sins might be blotted out. And he goes on to speak at the end of that message and talk about how that all that the Old Testament prophets were pointing to and talking about was the Lord Jesus Christ. He specifically quotes in verse 27, he talks about uh, Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy 18 where that uh, Moses said that, there, that the Lord God is going to raise up a prophet like unto me. Him you need to listen to. He goes on to talk about that all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, they've all likewise foretold of these days. He says all the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Hosea, and all the, all the minor prophets, uh, Obadiah, Joel, Micah, all those in the back end of the, the Old Testament, all of them prophesied of this time and about Jesus. And I want to focus on verse 25. He says, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds or all the families of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. I mean, Peter here tells us just exactly how that this, this uh, promise to Abraham was fulfilled. He says it was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. That every single family who has ever existed in the history of the world, including you and your family tonight, have been blessed because Jesus Christ has come through the lineage of Abraham and he has provided an opportunity for salvation to every family. Every single family has the opportunity and has had the opportunity to know God in the free pardon of sin and have eternal life. Every single family has been blessed through this covenantal promise that God made to Abraham. Aren't you thankful tonight that God sent his son into the world <laughs> to give us an opportunity for salvation? You know, I often think of, there's a place in scripture in uh, Acts chapter 13, uh, I believe it's uh, the Apostle Paul's longest recorded sermon in the scriptures. He's preaching at Antioch there, and at the end of his sermon, he's, he's speaking uh, uh, primarily to a Jewish audience, and that Jewish audience has openly rejected him. That Jewish audience, audience has openly uh, rejected his message, and he says to them in verse 44 there, the 13th chapter, he says, seeing that ye have uh, judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, lo, and behold, I go to the Gentiles. Apostle Paul said, hey, from here on out, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles because you have judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. You know, if a person dies and goes to hell, they don't have anybody to blame except themselves. There's no one to blame except me. God has not uh, judged anyone in and of themselves unworthy of eternal life. Uh, but the individual who rejects the gospel, who rejects his dear son Jesus, has judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. Friend, why would you do that tonight? You've got the opportunity. It's a whosoever will salvation. Open up, open to anyone. The gospel is open to anyone. There's nothing that you have done. There is nothing that you have thought that God doesn't have the power to forgive you of and save your soul from. You know that tonight? To think otherwise is to limit the power of God. God is able to save to the uttermost them that come to him. 
He's able to save the whole part of you. He doesn't just save a little bit. He'll he'll save your soul completely, 100%. When you get born again, you're born again. All of you is born again. I mean, your soul's born again, excuse me, with the promise of a new body at the resurrection. So we have, uh, we have this promise that was made that all the families of the earth would be blessed in Abraham. Now, uh, we go on, and there's several places where God makes covenant with Abraham in the book of Genesis in chapter 15. Uh, there's also a mention of this, and I want to I focus in on just a, a couple of verses there. It says this uh, in verse 2, And Abram said, Lord God... What will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward, the manager of my house, is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he he shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Abraham was saying, well, listen, I don't have any children yet, but I've got this manager, this steward. He's, he's a, like family to me. I guess uh, I'll just, uh, all my uh, inheritance will come through him. God said, no. No, it's not going to come through him. It's going to come through your own. Uh, it's going to come from, through, through you. You're going to have a child out of your own bowels. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Listen, there was, the, the Lord is telling him here, he says, listen, you look up at the sky, and you, be, you try to count the stars that are there. And he said, I'm going to give you a family that's going to exceed those stars in the sky. In another place, over in uh, chapter 22, after that uh, Abraham uh, goes through, uh, attempting to offer uh, Isaac up to the Lord as the Lord has commanded him and God provides a ram there at the last minute, a sacrifice and God confirms his covenants with, with uh, uh, Abraham there with an oath and uh, he says there that uh, his, that his, uh, that his um, family is going to exceed it's going to be like the sand of the sea and also the stars of the sky and we know that out of uh, Abraham, he was the father of many nations. The Bible said he was the father of uh, the, the nation of Israel. And he did have a physical lineage that was quite uh, numerous. And we, we see many places in the New Testament where the Jews were appealing. They were trying to appeal uh, and say we were in good spiritual shape because we have a physical lineage back through Abraham. Several places they did that. You remember one of those was at, uh, at when John the Baptist was baptizing in Matthew chapter 3 out in the wilderness. And you remember that he, he told uh, people that they needed to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, or they need to bring forth a testimony of salvation of what God had done for them in saving their souls. And he said to them, and say not within yourselves that we have Abraham to our father, for God can of these stones raise up children unto Abraham. That physical lineage isn't going to do you a bit of good, he said. Just because you're out of, uh, you're a physical descendant of Abraham, that's not going to do you a bit of good spiritually. It's not going to make you right with God. <laughs> but what would make them right with God? What, what, what other kind of family, what other kind of uh, posterity was Abraham going to have? It wasn't just a physical lineage that God promised him, but God also promised him a spiritual family. 
a spiritual lineage. In Galatians chapter 3, we find here that there is, a, there is much instruction in reference to this covenant between God and Abraham. And uh, there's, a, there's a discussion of it within the view of comparing the law and faith. And uh, it says this in chapter 3 and verse 6 of Galatians. It says, even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith. Catch this now. They which are of faith. The same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify or God would save the heathen through faith. The heathen here is a reference to the Gentiles. God's plan of salvation was not just uh, restricted to the Jews. It was open to anyone. Now you remember later on, uh, God developed with Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and that circumcision was uh, to the Jew only. But when he made the first covenant and when he saved Abraham, it was prior to that covenant of circumcision. Abraham was saved as a Gentile. He sure was. He sure was. This, uh, this plan of salvation has always been open to anyone. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel. Notice he preached the gospel unto Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. That's what we spoke about just a few minutes ago. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Listen tonight. Uh, if you've been saved, you are part of that spiritual family that has come through Abraham's lineage. You are part of that promise that God made uh, to Abraham that, the, that his, the stars, his family, the stars, the spiritual lineage was going to outnumber the stars of the sky. If you're lost tonight, the promise is still available to you. You can become uh, uh, saved just like Abraham was, just like Abraham found favor with God. Just like we preached this morning, Noah found favor with God. Just like I believe that Adam found favor with God that we spoke about last night. Uh, that favor with God continues to come through faith in Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. He was coming then. He's already come now. Notice it, it tells us later on down in the chapter, it says in verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. The whole time the, the promise was that Christ, the Messiah, was going to come through Abraham. And in the book of Matthew chapter 1, you can read there very clearly how that there were 42 generations from, uh, from Abraham to Jesus, 42 generations. It says there that uh, there were 14 generations uh, from uh, Abraham until, I believe, David. 14 generations from David uh, to the Babylonian captivity and 14 generations from the Babylonian captivity uh, to the time of Christ. Now, turn with me to, back to uh, Genesis chapter 15. The word covenant, 
That's not to give you the definition from the Greek. The word covenant in the Hebrew means to cut or divide. It means to cut or divide. And this cutting or this division was in reference to the sacrifice that was given when a formal agreement was made. There was a sacrifice and an oath that was given. This was serious business when two people got together and made an agreement. And we find in chapter 15 that God did this with Abraham when he made agreement with Abraham. It says there, it says in verse 9, And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three, the three years old, and a she-goat three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. He laid them all out there, cut these animals up, laid them all out there. And it says down in verse 17, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And that smoking pot there and that burning lamp uh, is, is uh, indicative that God, in his presence, God passed through the pieces of that sacrifice to confirm that covenant with Abraham. The Hebrew writer mentions it this way. He says in the chapter 6, he says uh, in verse 13, For when God made promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. <laughs> so God said, I promise you that I'm going to keep my word. And there's no other way for me to uh, have a greater witness than I'm just going to also promise on my own great character. I'm going to make you a double promise on my great character. He said, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He said, for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife or all contention. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, there's that word that we talked about last night, the unchangeableness of his counsel, he confirmed his promise with an oath. Not only was there the death of an animal in this, but there was an oath, a promise from God. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled <coughs> for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And then he goes on to talk about here that he transitions from this to the hope or the, the hope, the foundation, the anchor that we have is that we can, that it, that we can stand upon and, and be steadfast and unmovable in uh, the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that that was part of this Abrahamic covenant. It was that, hey, I'm going to bless the whole world and I'm going to bless them through the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Messiah. And God has promised. He gave sacrifice. He gave a promise of his word. He gave an oath there two times. What a great consolation that we have tonight. You've been born again. You have a great anchor of the soul that is rooted in the promises and the oath of God. You remember we read all kinds of oaths that God makes, usually through the Psalms. He said about, the Father said about the Son, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You're a king, but you're also a priest. He said, thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And the Apostle Paul in his preaching in the book of Acts tied that to the resurrection. 
The father said to the son in another place, he said, sit down, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And as a high priest, he is there tonight at the right hand of the father making intercession for you. For you and for me, for all of us. Those are some great promises, some great oaths that have been made that we are, can rejoice in tonight, that we can have hope in tonight. Hope is confident expectation. We can have confident expectation in this because of the promises of God. In Romans chapter 4, and this is probably the last place I'll go. I kind of ended last night here in Romans chapter 4. I'll probably end here again tonight in Romans chapter 4. In this entire chapter, the apostle Paul is, talks about Abraham's faith. Abraham was saved by trusting in, in Messiah, the coming Messiah. Saved just like we are today. We're looking back at the Messiah who already came. But he says in verse 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, our father as pertaining to the flesh, what shall we say that he has found? What has he found? And there's a comparison here between the works of the law and faith. For if Abraham were justified by works, he have whereof the glory, but not before God. He says, man, if, it was, if Abraham was such a good guy, if it was the things that he did that made him right before God, that he could brag, he could boast, he could rejoice in his own ability. But Paul says, no, he couldn't do that before God. <laughs> what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, he trusted God, and God laid to his charge what? He laid to his charge righteousness. Laid righteousness to his account. Not because of his morality, not because of his choices, not because of that he did nice things for other people, but God laid righteousness to his account because of his trust in God through Christ. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You know, if you had to earn your salvation... And then, and you were uh, doing what you thought were good things, uh, then God would owe you something. It wouldn't be a gift. God would owe it to you. But let me tell you tonight, friend, God doesn't owe us anything. He does, that's what makes grace such a beautiful thing, is He doesn't owe us anything, but He blesses anyway. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justify the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And I talked about some of these verses last night, how that um, you know, we, we have that charge to our account through our trust in Christ. Uh, later on in the chapter, uh, he speaks about how that Abraham, he, he was saved, he became right with God prior to circumcision. And of course, we know in the New Testament that circumcision was just, it was just symbolic for the anti-type of regeneration. That's what it was for, was regeneration. Uh, it very clearly tells us that it was symbolic of a cutting off of the foreskin of the sins of the heart, that they might be cast out. And that's what happens when a person gets born again or regenerated. I want to come down a little farther, and we see that Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith was 
uh, also in God's ability to resurrect, in God's ability to give life to things that were dead. It says in verse 18, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. (coughs) He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also to perform. You know, uh, that uh, he received Isaac in the form of a resurrection, in that Sarah was 90 years old and had... Uh, no longer had the ability to, by, by, the, um, by her age and her physical body, certainly she had gone through menopause at that point and was no longer able to get pregnant. But uh, through a resurrection there, God raised life from the dead. And we also know that the other great act of faith that the Hebrew writer spoke about in regards to Abraham was the fact that Abraham trusted God and he was willing to sacrifice his son. The reason that he was willing to do that was because he believed that God had the power, that God was going to keep his promise, that God was going to bring up and raise up a seed, a lineage through Isaac, that if he did have to sacrifice Isaac, God had the power to raise him up from the dead. And I'll tell you tonight, if you're lost, you must believe that God has the power to raise your dead soul up to newness of life also. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man be dead, yet shall he live. Through the power of the Lord Jesus. Now you notice here, that we read about Abraham, we study about Abraham. And I love how that uh, the Apostle Paul uses Abraham as an example in the New Testament to describe to us salvation. So often we hear people say, well, that Old Testament, it's not useful anymore, it's not applicable anymore. But yet, how many times do we find New Testament writers referring uh, to Scripture and referring to examples to support New Testament theology using Old Testament examples? (laughs) I was teaching a Bible study on this not too long ago, and I just did a quick count in a... In uh, Young's Concordance, there was over 90 different references in the New Testament where it said, as it is written, as it is written. Where is it written? It's written in the Old Testament. Here's the Apostle Paul using Abraham, using David, and saying, listen, this is how you get saved. This is how you get saved. And notice here in verse 24, excuse me, verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, for us also. There's application here tonight for you and for me. This was written for us also, to whom it shall be imputed or charged to their account if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again, for our justification. Listen, the promises and the covenants, the agreements that God made with the Old Testament patriarchs, they still have some application today, and that application is almost exclusively through the Lord Jesus Christ. God is still fulfilling his promises tonight. 
He saved Abraham by faith, Noah by faith, Adam by faith, all the Old Testament patriarchs by faith. And if you're going to get saved tonight, you're going to get saved by faith in Christ just like they did. God is not a respecter of persons. He's not going to have a special plan of salvation for you or for me tonight that he didn't have for somebody else. And if God required uh, heartfelt conviction and heartfelt repentance and heartfelt faith for others, he's going to require the same thing for you. You've got to go through it the same way. We were talking this morning about Noah and about the door in the ark, and I said, you know, all of the animals had to come into the ark the same way. They had to go through the door. Whether they were a bird flying high or a snail crawling low, they, had to go through, they all had to go through the, do- the same door the same way. And that's the same thing for us tonight. Salvation hasn't changed. It's still available to you. God still wants to give it to you. And this church would be honored tonight. I think I can say this on their behalf. This church would be honored tonight to pray with you. This church would be honored tonight to sing. The church would be honored tonight to implore and beg God to intervene on your behalf. That's the message I have.